0: everybody. My name is Remy. Welcome to the For The Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Jen Hatmaker here, your hostess of the For The Love podcast. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So, you guys, we are... Forging ahead in one of my favorite series that we've done since we started the show, for sure. Um, it's called "For the Love of Good Change," and the whole thing is just giving me life. I'm if you think I'm not going to go back and listen to all these episodes again, you are mistaken. I've already listened to two of them twice um, because they're just packed, every one of them, with gold mines of just wisdom and careful thought. And um, I'm just I am feeling real filled up. Um, by my guests in the show. So speaking of guests, thrilled to bring you my next guest, the absolutely delightful Emily P. Freeman. I I know that a ton of you already know Emily. Um, Every time I ever read her words or hear her talk, I just feel relieved Um, because she makes me believe that I can slow down and think carefully through all the things and figure out my best way forward in a way that is nourishing and healthy and sane. And I'm just, I think I'm just starving for all those things so much. It's probably why I'm loving this series um, as much as I am. Um, So if you don't know Emily, she's a writer of many books. She's a Beautiful writer. She's a writer's writer. Um, She's a host of the delightful podcast called The Next Right Thing, where she helps um, create space for our souls to breathe so we can discern the next right thing for each of us, which is why I'm so glad um, to tell you that she's taken some killer ideas from her podcast and put them together in her upcoming book, which is also titled The Next Right Thing, and it comes out April 2nd. I got a sneak peek at the book. Lucky me. My job is awesome. And just uh, just trust me, you'll want to pre-order this book because it's going to breathe very fresh life into you. I promise you that. What I love about Emily, and you'll see, as you listen to this um, this conversation that she and I had, which is so smart and helpful and useful, um, is she sort of grabs us gently by the hand and leads us into a place of calm. Does that sound like something you're interested in? Because I am. Um, she, she helps us sort of remove these obstacles from our path so we can just sort of see, like what's in front of us and how to move forward um, in the best possible way. And her voice is very invaluable in this space. Um, If you have a hard time making decisions or you cannot figure out what to do next, or you feel cluttered in your mind or your soul or your relationships, or you have these ideas that don't seem to manifest into your actual life this is the show for you. We literally talked about every single thing I just said um, in the course of the next um, hour. And so um, just pull up a chair. I just want to remind you of this real quick. All of our episodes are over at jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab where we have the entire interview transcribed if you like to read the interviews or you want to read them later or kind of go back through and cut and paste some some parts or quotes that you love. In addition to all that, we have... Everything we talk about is linked over there. All of my guests' social media accounts and their books their podcasts or whatever it is they're putting out into the world – and we ask every guest to send us like some bonus pictures and stuff like that, which Amanda loads up in this beautiful format. And so, um, the podcast over at jenhatmaker.com has a lot more to offer you. So if you ever love one of the shows so much that you want more, be sure to hightail it over there. Um, cause we really want you to squeeze every last drop of the podcasts that you love. So, okay, that's it. You guys thrilled to introduce you to, or bring you who you already love. So welcome Emily P. Freeman. Okay. I'm so happy to have you on today, Emily. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you. You know what I want all my listeners to know about you first, before we get into all this amazing stuff you're putting out in the world right now, is that um, one of my favorite things about me and you is that we have book twins. We did twenty fifteen 2015, um for the love came out, and was it a million little things? no, it was it simply was Tuesday, simply Tuesday, yeah, it was simply Tuesday, that's right, and um our books came out on the same day, and we sent them into the world, and they're growing up I mean they're they're almost four they are they're past the awkward toddler
1: stage, and now they're <laughs> like walking around and bossing us around, you know they are <laughs>
0: well,
1: and the thing too, Jen. At, as if your listeners don't know this about you, but here's something. So talk about uh, being a a gracious and supportive and non-competitive person. The day our books came out, Mm. I got an email because I'm on your email list. I got an email the day that For the Love came out and the first paragraph of your email newsletter to your people on your book release day was about my book.
0: I and know.
1: I have never forgotten that. It's such a spirit Aww. of support and just absolutely no feeling like, like we're all on the same team here, totally. right? Totally. So what, a, I mean, thank you for that. I feel like I have thanked you before, but now I get yeah. to thank you like voice to voice. So that I just think that so was just nice. so that nice. That is so
0: nice. I'm with you. I just feel like... I really do believe, I I say it a lot, you do too, but I I sincerely believe that, you know, the the rising tide lifts every boat in the harbor. I just think we're all the boats in the harbor and um, our books are good for one another they're good for our communities I want my readers positively to know who you are obviously and to read your work and I just think it's good for women so yeah. I I've been tr- I've been taught and mentored by people from afar who I've watched do that well um, who who really like use their platforms to um, support their friends and their colleagues and their peers and I always said I I hope I'll do that I I I respect that when I see it, and I think it's good for all of us. I just don't believe in scarcity, so um, so there's plenty to go around. Speaking of, tons of my listeners already know and love you. Um, we have a lot of crossover, um, but for the few who don't, I've, I've already told them a little bit about you, but it's your latest project that I am really, I just think you're nailing it, sister. I, I love it. I'm intrigued by it. I'm interested, and so I really just want to kind of dive in um, to the next right thing, and that's... That is some of your like coolest work right now, and it's brilliant. The podcast, the book. Um, and so obviously, since necessity is usually the mother of invention, <laughs> I would love for you to tell me and my listeners how the next right thing came into being, um, which I heard came together in a way you didn't expect uh, back in 2017. Can you talk about that for a little bit?
1: You know, the curse of a writer, I don't know, the gift and the curse is that mm-hmm. we're always like... Paying extra close attention, things. So I start taking notes about the way that I'm making, or in my case, not making this decision. Yeah, right. And I thought, you know, over time, I, you know, and once I, you know, I ended up making this decision, and it was, it, you know, moved on to the next thing. But that process of look at how, look at the power that an unmade decision held in my own um, character formation, in my own hmm. spiritual formation, in my own relationships. So I started taking notes on it, thinking. Oh, this this could be my next book. This hmm. really could be my next book. I realized that you know what the most important thing for a maker is to figure out what the gift is first, That's and good. then let the wrapping um, show up later. Mm. Because I thought, oh, the wrapping's a book. I have to make this fit into a book. Of course. But the- the gift is the same, but the wrapping is different. And so I started to learn. I, the thing was, was I fell in love. I fell too much in love with this idea and concept of decision-making and exploring it and what it does for us as human people in the world that I couldn't let it go. So I, the love of the idea forced me to find a packaging that fit it like a glove. And as it turns out, that packaging was a podcast.
0: Love it. Um, I commend, I applaud your um, capacity to flex. I am like you. I I tend to get an idea and I think it's going to look a certain way. And usually it's a way, uh, it, it's a packaging I've already experienced. Right. So I know the rules. I kind of know the procedures. I've you know, I've sort of, it's not my first rodeo. And I am i find that I'm not very flexible. And so the fact that you were able to imagine a different way for this content to be born, I love it. I—I um, I, That's something I would really love to work on in my own creative life too. And so let's talk a little bit more about it. I, I, you have so much to teach us. Um, what does the next right thing actually mean? Like, where have you used this in your own life? Can you unpack it and unfold it a little bit for us?
1: Well, to be clear, I didn't come up with the phrase the next right thing. In case anyone was mistaken, (laughs)
0: this
1: (laughs) phrase has been, I mean, Martin Luther King said it, Anne Lamott Mm -hmm. has said it, Mother Teresa, Mm big book of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. Jesus practiced the mindset as well in scripture. When we think about just do the right thing, Mm -hmm. that feels um, great it feels a little daunting it's a little <sighs> ominous it's a little intimidating yes but that magical sweet word in the middle do the next, next right thing yeah now now it feels accessible now it feels like a question i can carry with me into my everyday moments and say okay i'm overwhelmed okay mm-hmm. i'm feeling unsure or unsettled I might not know what the right thing is to do, but I can discern my next right thing right now. And once Mm -hmm. I move into that space, I ask the question again, okay, now what's the next right thing? And Mm -hmm. sometimes it might really be just take the dishes out of the dishwasher and put them into the cabinet. Like we're not talking and now it's time for world peace. I mean, that's (laughs) really, is that our very next right thing? Usually it's make a phone call, write an email, uh, get dressed, take a shower. These are, this is the, the alchemy. These are the stuff of our lives that we move into. And Sometimes I make it too hard because I skip over all the like human stuff. And I try to get to the, um, the stuff that doesn't, that, that feels too big for me to carry mm-hmm. that really doesn't have steps to get to it. It does have steps, but I'm trying to skip all the tiny steps and get to the big thing. Good and so that's point. where the magic word of next comes in for us.
0: That just feels like a bite I can chew on. And that matters. I mean, that's kind of a smaller thing switch to flip, but in, I, I kind of feel my chest relax when you say it like, okay, I can handle that. I, I read that researchers say that, I mean, this just doesn't, this feels crazy, but that adults make more than 35,000 choices a day, like a day. Um, (laughs) which is just, I don't, that's just bonkers. I mean, no wonder we're all walking around like no wonder we can't decide what to make for dinner. It's, we've right. had too much. We've made too many decisions already that day. So how do you think we got to this place of decision fatigue? And do you think there's anything we can do to address it?
1: That 35,000 number, that feels like a lie, doesn't it? It feels like, it feels made... like a lie. Yeah. I've looked at so many different numbers. Like i I've, I've tried to track that down And for someone to say, like, guys, I know this number is going around, but it's not really the case. No one is saying – everyone is like, yeah, that's pretty much true. And and granted, a lot of those – probably most of those are the uh, decisions that we make that, you know, are not – like, we don't even think about them. It's not like we're sitting around 35,000 times a day trying to decide something. But, I mean, the truth remains that even the things that we are not thinking about trying to work on still take a toll on our, you know, on our will, on our mind and emotions. And so I, I do think there is uh, something to be said for our outward life and then also our inward, li- our, our inner life. And on the outside, we're going around and we're doing our thing. And and to address your question of how we got here, I, I do think that. that you know, on a regular day in regular life, we move around and we do our things. We go to the grocery store and to work and we take the kids here and there. We go to school and we have our routines. But there is also things that are happening on the inside that are not as obvious to us or to those around us. And okay. then when something comes in like um, a tragedy or a diagnosis or even just mm. a conflict that wasn't on our calendar, yeah. um that's when it pokes things within us that are there, but are sort of lying dormant and waiting for something to have them come out. And I do think that, um, you asked the question, is there any way to fix it? And I, I think one step, one next right thing that we can begin to um, pay attention to is how many unnamed things live beneath the surface mm-hmm. within us and the power of beginning to pay attention and name some of those unnamed things. Without a name, um, Madeline Lingle talks about this, about the power of specificity mm-hmm. and how um, she doesn't care about um, anything unless it is going to affect her. That day. So she cares a lot about the hmm. weather, you know, in her where she <laughs> lives. But she but it but but, you know, peace in Iraq is not quite as tangible for her because it's it's way over there. It's not gonna right. affect her today. And how but but when we hear a story about someone who lives in a war zone, it begins to mean something more to us because it's specific. Mm-hmm. And so Without names, we can't be specific. And I think that's why fear has a lot of power is because fear likes nothing more than non-specificity. We have... I feel like fear is our enemy who wants to cloud our minds with just this general sense of anxiety. And when we don't take the time to name, okay, what is it I'm afraid of, then it's going to have power over us. Hmm. And so I do think a a great first step is to begin to get still and quiet enough to name some of those unnamed things within us. And it could be as simple as like this morning, my spouse said this thing and Hmm. it super frustrated me, but I didn't. I didn't recognize that's what it was. So two days later yeah. when they come to me with a request and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm mad at you. I don't really Dang. know
0: why, but yeah. I am. Yeah. So
1: there's power in naming the thing.
0: That feels like you've been spying on me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That stuff doesn't go away. We kind of bury it alive, don't we? Um, yeah. Even if we, it can lurk and it has staying power. All those little things, all the things that steal our peace of mind or I'm, I'm doing a mental Rolodex right now as you're talking of, um, a handful of things I've got under the surface. I can feel them, yes, but I've not given them enough attention. I think I can maybe even name them, but I've not even done that yet. Um, but they are affecting the way I'm responding and Mm -hmm. acting. And so I, I I don't think you're, I think you're right on the money here. One sentence that you wrote that I really like, um, you said, what if the way we make decisions is more important than the decisions we make? And I am in, I'm interested in this. I'm intrigued by that idea. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, How can we go about not just making better decisions, but making decisions in a better way? we get so obsessed with, with making the right decision, right? It's like, it's like, I think about
1: myself as an 18 year old and thinking about choosing a school or, you know, what, what's my major going to be. And we think like, there's a right path and like, you know, the decision, Hmm. there's a right decision and I have to figure out the trick. And if I, if I figure it out wrong, then I'm going to be on the path. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's part of growing up is learning, you know, it might not actually work that way. Mm. But I, I do think, you know, obviously, morally, sometimes there are decisions that are very clear. It's right mm-hmm. to do this thing. It's wrong mm-hmm. to do this thing. Those aren't usually the ones that trip us up. The ones mm. that trip us up are when we're deciding between two really great things. And we oh, have to make Oh my gosh, mistakes. that's the
0: story of my life.
1: The worst. It's better than a lot of people get. But yeah. at the same time, um, it can be debilitating because you think this is all, Oh, you mean this is up to me? You mean I I have to tap into desire? You mean I have to show up to the table Mm -hmm. as fully myself and make a move? There can be nothing more terrifying sometimes. And it's a privilege and it's a joy, but that doesn't take away the fatigue that also accompanies it. Mm -hmm. And I've discovered that, you know... I think a lot of us go to this point of, well, I'm going to make a pro-con list, right? I mean, that's Mm. like, well, I've got a decision to make. I'm going to make a pro-con, and you write the pros, and then you write the cons, and you look at it. and. Maybe there's nothing wrong with that, but I've I've discovered that um, usually by the time I pull out paper to make mm-hmm. a pro con, it's probably a little too late. Usually I'm in crazy mode by the time yeah. I get to that, and usually that's about a decision that is to be made in the future. And while that can be informative and it's one way to do it, um, that's about making that's about uh, making a better decision, but. Mm-hmm. I just want to submit the possibility that maybe instead of thinking about a pro con list to help us make a better decision, right. we adopt a posture of reflecting on the decisions we've already made in order to become a person who um, makes decisions in a better way. Okay. And so I think that that uh, has a lot to do with reflection and and having a seasonal practice of reflecting on our life um, in a way that like no one ever taught us to do. They don't teach us to do this in grade school or in college, really. Um, there's no class on, oh, let's let's look back on my life and see how it's actually going and decisions I've actually made and then how I felt about them. So much I think right. in life, we just like respond like, well, this is how I always do it. So, th- Or this is
0: how so-and-so did it. So I should do it this way too. It's not always the best way. This is interesting because you're right. I we don't rarely look backwards um, to see sort of what we've done and how it affected us and, and how we felt. Like I don't. Do you have any? Can you give us an example from your life um, in ways that you've sort of reflected and it if, and it it mattered to your current decision making process? I'm just throwing you in the deep end here. You may not have an example at the ready, but I'd love to hear you walk us through that process with a with a real thing. Yeah, it's a great question.
1: The way I do that is I make a life draining and a life giving list. I call it a a life energy list. And you look back on a specific period of time, specific area of life, and you ask yourself two questions. What was life giving and what was life draining? Hmm. And you think about, so if I'm thinking about relationships and getting together with friends and what that looks like in my life, um, I will think, okay, well this summer, how many times did we have people over, Hmm. uh, or did we at all? Or how many um, events did we go to where we were with people at our church? Or did we have family reunion? What was that like? And really practical. I mean, this is not earth-shattering type right. of information.
0: But I think sometimes we forget to look back. I think that mindfulness is underrated in so many ways, um, uh, in ways that we assess and reflect, in ways that we like plan and make decisions going forward in our in our relationship with other people. It's interesting because we're in a series right now on this podcast called For the Love of Good Change. And you are at least the third guest to, to say something about this. Um, even though everyone's talking about different ideas, we've been talking about body image and all kinds of things. But this this idea about being really mindful and really thoughtful, um, slowing down the machine and and looking at its various like gears and parts is something that a lot of our best teachers seem to be telling us right now. That this is something we need to really work on reclaiming. It's so
1: true. It reminds me of, um, you know, when um ebooks started to get really big and everybody's yeah. like, oh, books are going to go by the wayside. Right. No one's going to publish a book again. Forget it. But don't you see now, I mean, there's so many people who are like, I just love to hold a book in my hand. I mean, totally. books are books are not going anywhere because we right. are human people who, to, we are not looking for something to be more disembodied. We are looking for things to be incarnated. We're looking for things to be um, as far as like a, an incarnational living, a living out of God in us and with us. And how, what can I touch and hold uh, in my life with my people, with my even with my things, even with my books? Like I love holding a book in my hand. And I think, there's a lot to be said for that. And I think it points back to our longing for true connection, for being where we are with the people in the room and not sort of always floating out somewhere else or being a disembodied head on a profile picture. There's really something powerful to that.
0: I agree with you. Hey, everybody, Jen breaking in for just a second. I hope that you have been loving this series. So one of the ways many of us choose to reveal how good change can happen in our lives is to seek great counsel. I am, as you know, a huge advocate for counseling and feel like sometimes we just need a little guidance from a trusted source who can help us look at things objectively and find a way forward. So BetterHelp Counseling, it's an online resource that offers licensed professional counselors, and they're specialized in issues like depression and stress, anxiety, relationships, family conflicts, grief, honestly, you name it, so much more. Um, You can connect with a professional counselor in a safe, private, absolutely confidential online environment. Uh, You can even schedule secure video or phone sessions or chats or texts with your therapist. And so best of all, it is truly affordable, which hinders a lot of us from good counseling. And so for you guys, the listeners of the For the Love podcast, BetterHelp is giving you 10% off your first month with the discount code for the love. So if you're needing a little help getting to that good change in your life, go to betterhelp.com slash for the love. Okay, so one more time. BetterHelp.com slash for the love using the code for the love. Okay, back to our show. So this is interesting. You've gone back to school. Yeah. And Uh, You tell us in the book that you didn't know exactly why Um, you made that choice because for once you just made a decision without having to justify yourself, which I, I mean, like, I seriously love this. You went back to school because you wanted to. That's why. Yeah, um, which is amazing. And I wonder how often we allow ourselves to make decisions just for the sake of it. It doesn't feel mm. like we do this hardly ever anymore. So can you talk about making decisions that way? Um, and has that been fruitful for you in this season? And, and then what, what do we learn when we take s- sort of small risks by not justifying and like wrangling to death every single decision that we make?
1: I squeezed the life out of that decision. I mean, (laughs) let me tell you, it was like, I I wish that my husband, John, had been like, Emily, I don't think it's a good idea. I would have been like, okay, phew, what a relief. Somebody,
0: finally. Yeah,
1: finally, just tell me what to do. I mean, you know, but Mm. he wasn't, Oh the nerve mm-hmm. the supportiveness right. uh, and he was just like i think i think it's great i think and it so so the fact that my pro con list was not giving me the answers i wanted mm-hmm. um and that i had to pay attention to my life that i had to name some desire uh, was kind of the worst honestly to start right. with but i really think it, there was something to this um, action of Coming on home to myself.
0: That's good.
1: I think about when I, so when I was younger, I rode the bus. I went to school with, you know, my sister and I, we, our right. bus stop was just a couple houses down, but our bus stop was at the end of this driveway of the house, the scary house. I mean, does every neighborhood have a scary house? I think it does. I, I feel like it does. And so uh-huh. it's very tall. I mean, he was like 12 feet tall, you know, really thin this man. He lived in the house with his son and his son went to our school, but he was shrouded in mystery and okay. they, they lived in a dark house away from the street. But our bus stop was like, you know, like the county demanded we stand there. So we stood like right. at the very tip of the of the driveway because his house was like, it had signs like no trespassing, beware oh, yeah. of dog. I don't think they had a dog, but beware of dog and like yeah. no solicitors. I didn't know what solicitor- solicitors meant. I really hoped I wasn't one um, because was like, you know, first grade, like I might be a solicitor. I don't know what that means, right. but as I tend to do when I think about stories like this in my childhood, I always reflect on like, what, you know, what's happen what is a similar thing happening like that on the inside? And I think, you know what? Mm-hmm. I have actually stood on a porch where I have felt unwanted and unwelcome. And I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's really the porch of my own soul. And I feel like so often I am my most unwelcoming presence. Mm-hmm. And that wow. I I sort of stand on the other side uh, of myself and I'm like, you can't come in here. You're not allowed to access the deep desires that are happening beneath the surface. Right. You have to look outward. You have to find someone else to give you permission because you're not welcome here. Wow. Gosh. And there was something about the school decision, which it, it, a privilege to be able to make a decision to go to to go to grad school. And I recognize that. But. But on the inside, I think we all have some daily decisions and some some daily desires that are sort of hanging around in the living rooms mm. of our soul, but we don't give ourselves access. We put this no trespassing sign up and we say, Nope, you are not allowed in here. In fact, I'm gonna make this scary for you to even come in here. So you go on, you go on with life. Mm. Don't come in here. What would it be like to stand at the doorway of our own soul and say, Welcome, come on in, come sit down, you belong here? That's that's what this process has been like for me of valuing um, my own journey, my own decision to, I like to say it, go forward to school rather than mm-hmm. go back to school because it's mm-hmm. like Good. I'm i am moving forward into something. I didn't Good. miss it the first time around. Mm-hmm. Granted, I, I didn't go, but that's okay. I didn't miss it. My pace is my pace. There's mm-hmm. no such thing as behind.
0: So here you are. Welcome. Come on home. I love it. I want your opinion on this. Um, I'm curious if you think there is an added layer of red tape across um, access to our own desires, our own preferences, our own little stash of dreams and hopes for women who kind of came up through I don't know how to say it for lack of a better word kind of like traditional church yeah. do you think that there's an added spiritual layer because I don't know how you were raised exactly but for me I um, my personal desires were m- usually couched as being bad that yeah. something about me was inherently bad that my heart was evil and it was sick it would never be well um, that or I mean even more, rudimentary. If it was just something that was going to give me like great joy, well, how dare I, you know, like (laughs) there was some sort of self-sacrifice built into the idea of being a good Christian for me. I'm just curious if you think maybe that's more universal than I think, or do you think, um, women raised sort of in a Christian environment, like that struggle, um, with another added layer?
1: Absolutely. I think that. I've yet to meet a woman or man, but mainly I'm I'm talking to women usually about stuff like this, who has not felt at least some level of shame about their own desire. And I I, I do think it's rooted so far back in, you know— are growing up and growing up in the church and, you know, your desire might lead you astray. And granted, sure, I, I definitely, you know, you desire to do something like terrible, Im- terribly sure. immoral or like kill someone. And you desire, right. well, of course you're not going to follow that. But that's not usually what we're talking about. I think there's a a, a super important distinction we have to make um, between admitting what we want and demanding what we want. Admitting what we want. we We are so afraid that we're going to be demanding something that we won't even admit what we we want.
0: That is so true.
1: And so for me, and again, it goes back to naming and being specific. Naming what I want in God's presence is a beautiful thing. Hmm. Demanding what I want is a whole different situation. That's a different posture. That's a different Hmm. feeling that you get. It's admitting what I want, it brings almost like an openness, a humility, a childlikeness. Like this is something that I'm longing for. Mm-hmm. But now demanding, all of a sudden you're closed up. All of a mm-hmm. sudden your 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 hands are clenched. It's a whole different thing. That's when we get angry. That's when our expectations don't get met. But being a human who uh, is, is so aware and in touch with, you've come home to yourself, you're in, presence of God, and you're admitting, I want this thing, mm. but if I don't get it, I'm going to be okay. That's very different. And I think the space of, because here's the thing, what you want is what you want, whether yeah. you admit it or not. And it's going to affect how you move through the world. So if you're a human who wants something, who longs for something that's true or right, or that's even maybe a little off center, like it's what you want. And if mm. If you, if you don't admit it, it's going to come out in your body, it's going to mm-hmm. come out in your posture, it's going to come out in your mood and your attitude, the way you treat other people. So I, I think that we've clumped desire into like one big ball of uh, taboo. And as we begin to parcel it out in the presence of God, we can trust that He is smart enough and intuitive enough and strong enough and kind enough and compassionate enough to lead us in His way, in His timing, as we're honest with Him and with
0: ourselves. That's great. I love that counsel. Um, One of the most intriguing concepts that you introduce um, in your book is uh, what you call soul minimalism. Great phrase. Um, I love the idea of this. Can you tell us more about what that is and why it does not mean that you're like chucking out, you know, baby Jesus with the bathwater? Like, what does soul minimalism mean?
1: Well, we minimalism is sort of you know we kind of know what that is right in our houses like we're always joshua becker who who writes a blog um becoming minimalist he's written several books he talks about this a lot where we're always bringing things into our houses input 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 you know like the school projects the christmas gifts the birthday gifts the all the things always but where's our regular practice of taking these i mean we Uh. we most of us don't have one unless we're like super great, unless we're, you know, right. good declutterers on the regular. But that's why we, you know, we spend a weekend and we're like, all right, kids, and you totally. get the trash bags out and you're like, yeah. it's, a, it's, this is it. We're, it's totally. over. We're burning it all down. Right. Um, that's what we come to. Um, truth is that happens on our soul too, in our soul too. And we talked about a little bit already about how we always have input, input happening everywhere with conversation, um, with, you know, every social media channel, with TV with, uh, interaction with our work, everything is coming in. Um, but where is our regular practice of letting some things go of releasing okay. what we no longer need of even figuring out that there are things that, that we do no longer need. Good. A lot of times there's no regular practice of that happening on the level of our soul that are in our inner totally. life. And so the way that I have discovered to sort of declutter, if for ba- lack mm-hmm. of a better word, to declutter my soul, what I've discovered the best way is to practice silence, stillness, mm-hmm. and solitude. Yeah. Not. St- That everyone is super excited about, but it—I found it does not take the Mm -hmm. week-long monk practice of being alone that we think it does. Actually, it's—I have learned and I'm learning to integrate this into my everyday life. And so the way I do that is honestly, I will set a timer on my phone for five minutes, and I will—I will five minutes, and then I know it's going to ding when it's done, and I set it there, and. I sit still in silence and I recognize mm-hmm. the presence of God with me. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, necessarily pray, although sure you could, but it's, mm-hmm. the idea is to sit in silence without an agenda. And that's key yeah. and to simply be present with what is and to, uh, to recognize that's presence with you. And mm-hmm. so I have discovered that when I get up from those five minutes and my t- timer goes off, Problems aren't solved. Right. Situations aren't different. Mm-hmm. Decisions aren't necessarily made, but there has been a little bit of space created so that decisions might not feel so heavy That's and good. relationships might not feel so hard.
0: That's really great. I, it's funny. I mean, as you describe it, it sounds like the easiest thing on earth and yet it isn't. And um, I, solitude and stillness and silence, it literally takes practice. Um, and so I, I want to, I want my listeners to know that if you try that beautiful, beautiful idea of sitting with a five minute timer in the first few times, it's disastrous and your brain runs off and (laughs) you all this, you know, that that's how I have a busy mind. Um, and so again, this is one of those practices that for me is challenging. Um, and yet when I've done it and Um, I I press into teachers like you who lead me in this direction because I know it's against my natural way um, and therefore I need it. And this has been one, one practice that for me really has a, what feels like a disproportionate benefit. I mean, it doesn't feel like a lot. It's just five minutes by Mm -hmm. the, by the hour. That's not very much time and really and sincerely anybody can do this for five minutes. But it has an outsized effect on creating just a little room. Um, and it, it then it has this cum- accumulative effect on me of teaching me to just be a little bit more still in all things, in my decisions, in my words, um, in the way that I'm processing that somebody else, something somebody else is saying or doing, um, it, it just kind of slows my gears down ever so slightly, but enough that I feel the difference. Yeah. Um, I wonder if I could just ask you this before we move on, I, on this idea of sort of soul minimalism and decluttering. Can you give us an example? Um, because as you're saying it, I'm trying to think, well, what's the last handful of things that I just said, this doesn't serve me anymore. Internally, this is not a thing that I need anymore. It's time to put, put this one out. And I'm having a hard time coming up with some, can you talk about maybe some of the things that you have sort of decided internally, this it's this, I'm releasing this, it's it, it served its time, but now it's time to go.
1: Well, let me just say, I'm terrible at this, <laughs> You are, but that doesn't mean it's a bad practice. That just means it's a practice. That's
0: that's good. That's (laughs) so good. It's
1: so true. It's it's so hard. Um, but I'll tell you one that I'm, I'm currently mindful, aware of in this moment this week, and that is, um, fear and anxiety, Mm. huge, huge, uh, topic. And, um, we could get real deep into it if we wanted to, but, um, I recognize within myself that, you know, this is the time of year when everybody's getting sick this. and my family has, you know, three of the five of us now have had the stomach bug in the last mm. several weeks. Mm. And in the midst of some of that, like sickness a couple of weeks ago, I was like, this is out of control. The mm. sickness is what it is. Like it comes and goes and and it's over. And like the, yeah. the facts tell me that all will be well again right? Like it, it's going to be okay. Like if yeah. I look at the fact, but recognizing and sometimes silence helps me realize like, okay, I'm naming, what is it that I'm afraid of right now? Everyone in the family is going to get sick and it's never, ever, ever, ever going to end. Right. And when I say that out loud, I'm like, oh, right. that's, that's ridiculous. That's, that's never crazy. happened. Yeah. Like that's not in our life, you know, but it's just kind of, so, so recognizing this is something I no longer need. Now, does that mean I've taken it out of my suitcase and thrown it into the air? Mm. I've tried yeah. and I and that's a practice I'm working on, but I think that being aware of it, just just being aware of it has helped yeah. it lose some of its power.
0: Totally. What great, great advice. Hey guys, Jen breaking in to make a quick recommendation while we're on the topic of good change. So as a writer and creative myself, I know how easy it is to fall into like working in a vacuum when I'm trying to get a project done. Isn't the best way or time for me to, I don't know, expand my perspective or help me grow in my craft, which is why I love Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators, for creatives of any kind. So with more than 25,000 classes in design and business, writing, social media, photography, so much more. You can discover, honestly, endless ways to fuel your curiosity um, or your creativity or even the career you already have. So you can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a very awesome offer just for my listeners. You can get two months of Skillshare for free. Skillshare is offering the For The Love community two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for absolutely free. So to sign up, this is how all you have to do. Go to Skillshare.com slash For The Love. Okay, that's it. That's the link you need. Skillshare.com slash For The Love to start your free two months right now. This is a good investment in you, in your work, in your creativity, and in your dreams. So skillshare.com slash for the love. Okay, back to our show. Another thing that you have coined is a pretty brilliant term, um, which you call a no mentor. Um, what is a no mentor and uh, who is that for you? Do you have somebody that is, that mentors you in the, in the, in as in the no? as an N O listeners as an N O it just sometimes N-O. I forget. Yes. Right.
1: Right. Well, let me tell you, so my sister and I, my sister, she goes by the Nestor online, She's written yeah. some great books. She's fantastic. So she, um, her name's Mike Wollin. So she is four years older than me. So she's my big yeah. sister. And. I realize that every every time I have a decision to make, especially when it has to do with like timing or my schedule or um, my work life, because mm-hmm. she and I have similar work lives as far as we both write and sort of are in that world. Um, I realize that I've sent her a Vox or I, or I call her on the phone, and I'm like, mm, should I do this thing? Should I do this thing? And what I've realized when I look back, I call her about things that I kind of don't want to do. Totally. But I want someone to tell me that yes. I don't do it, right? Yes. 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 And so she is like, nope. You don't want to do that. Yeah. And here's why bum, 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 bum. she reminds me who I am because I've realized, oh, everybody needs to have a no mentor in their right. life. Somebody who can like remind them what they do and don't want to do. Cause y'all sometimes when we get asked to do a thing and it's something that all the people think would be a great idea Absolutely. and they tell us it's such a great opportunity. Rarely is that true. And guess what? No one else gets to decide that for you. You mm-hmm. have decided for yourself, whether what. What great opportunity, what constitutes that for you? And for me, a no mentor, um, the the way to find one is first you have to find someone who makes decisions the way you want to make them in Mm. areas that you want to make them in. And then I do think also we need someone who knows you and someone Mm. who gets the subtleties of your decision in the way someone else might not. Those are the kinds of people that we need in our lives to help us make some of these hard decisions.
0: I um, have those people in my life and they, the service that they have provided for me is immeasurable for most people. I think, um, our, the opportunities that come across our desks are mostly good. Uh, you know, very rarely is, are we really on the horns of a dilemma between something wonderful and something terrible? It's usually something good or useful or purposeful or meaningful. Um, and so I, I can't even think how, how many times my friends who serve this serve me in this way and me them, um, because they know everything, knowing the underbelly cannot be overstated. That is is they know what you've said before when something kind of like this came along and you said right. yes or no. and um, They know your history. They're able to say, do you remember when two years ago we pretty much had to pull you out of the weeds? Um, <laughs> let's not do that again. Yeah. So I, I, I cannot... Um, recommend this practice enough. In fact, I have one friend specifically who's so good at this. And so usually when I'll call her with something like that, like should I or shouldn't I? Um, she's funny because she asked me one time, um, "Do you want me to talk you into this or out of it?" And I'm like, "I'm calling you. What do you think?" She's like, "Okay, out of it it is." So you're yeah. right. We I think we sense that we need somebody on our side, and that's what it is. We just want someone to be on team me. And help, help me protect my soul and my time and my family and my energy. And um, uh, no mentors are uh, crucial, I think, to navigating adulthood um, in a healthy way. I think my favorite chapter in the whole book was um, called wear better pants. (laughs) I I almost (laughs) wish that was the title of the whole book. It's so funny. Um, (laughs) Wear better pants. So, you know, that's just here we now down to the nitty gritty of spiritual disciplines. I mean, let's be honest. And the most so, important ones, right? The, the most important. So, can you tell us about the day that you found your your long forgotten jeans in the closet?
1: I was doing the decluttering thing. It was one of those things where, like, I have too many clothes. We're going to get rid. And I was, I kind of like flitting through the house and getting rid of things, and you know, it kind of puts me in a happy mood. I don't know. It's one of Same. those days. And so I was doing that thing, and then I, at the bottom of uh, the bottom of uh, my drawer, I found pants that I absolutely love. They're like, I think I got them at the Goodwill, but Uh I, but they were like, they fit just right. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm putting those pants on. I'm going to keep on doing my thing. So put uh-huh. the pants on and I keep going through the house and it'd been maybe 30 minutes. And I recognized within myself a little bit of a wilting, a little bit of a fussiness, just kind of like, mm, here I am cleaning and oh, this is the worst. When I got still for like, this was like 10 seconds worth of thinking. It wasn't like I sat there and meditated uh-huh. for an hour, but uh-huh. it was just like, a, okay, let me be aware of when did like, my attitude this? begin mm-hmm. to shift? What is happening? And I traced it back to the moment I pulled on the jeans. And I recognize, you know, the jeans are a little bit tight Ah. and the button is a little bit diggy into my belly button. And I'm kind of hating my life because these were the favorite jeans. And these jeans told a story that I liked to, to read about myself. But today they are telling me a different story. And the story they're telling me today gained the weight and they don't fit me anymore. And I don't like the story. And I recognize that I really wanted to hold on to the narrative narrative that those genes told me I mean people talk about decluttering like it's no big deal it's a deal all of it our things deal. they carry stories with them mm-hmm. and that that's why it helps to have another person to, right. with you when you declutter to be like throw them away and move on with your life because I get wrapped up in the story of things and you want to you you want to believe that that story is going to be true again in the future mm-hmm. see that's why we hang on to things just in case yeah, but I read right. and so I thought you know, here's the truth. We are not parceled out. People. It's not like I'm my, my inner life is here. And then it's separate from like my body life. Like, right. no, I need, I need to wear clothes, not just to, I need to not just have space for my soul to breathe in a spiritual way. I need to be able to actually breathe like in mm-hmm. my lungs mm-hmm. and to take a breath and to wear clothes that make that possible. Yes. And so, I thought about you know what? I, I, that in that moment I went up to my closet and I was like, all right, we're calling a truce.
0: Uh,
1: I will good. I will keep you clean and organized-ish if you will stop harboring the enemy in the form of clothes that do not fit me anymore. One of my favorite authors, Leanna Tankersley, talks about this, about how she had to get rid of all the bad pants, like no more bad pants. Yes. <laughs> um, because it is a it is outward simple representation of ways that
0: we are not coming home to ourselves. I love that so much, Emily. Um, Let me ask you this, and maybe this is hard to pin down, but what would you say is the most impactful change change that you've made in your life, um, sort of based on the next right thing process?
1: Well, the the most impactful thing is just that phrase and is asking myself that question, in the next moment to give myself permission to just stay in that little space. And then a a practical one is keeping one tab open on my computer. If you want Mm. a spiritual discipline that will change your life,
0: try to keep
1: one tab open on your computer. I
0: wish I need to text you a screenshot of my computer right now. (laughs) Fail. That's good. Meaning just here's my focused mind. Yeah. Here's what I'm doing. One thing without a thousand options, a click away. Right. um it's so funny how those things have uh, those are all new concepts in the last decade and yet they run our lives now they literally yeah. run the way that we feel about the hour and the day and um i was just in cuba um on a on a big um fun anniversary trip with a bunch of friends and There is no internet. Well, there is, but it's really hard to get. and It's complicated. And we just decided that that was not the way we wanted to spend our days. So we all of our phones were just turned off for the uh, week. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, this is not earth shattering. Anybody would say this. It's a living, breathing human in today's world. But I mean, we, we, it was remarkable. We talked a lot about it by the end of the week, how we felt different. And I mean, sort of to, to use your um, idea as a metaphor, just having all the tabs closed, um, how many more things that I noticed, how every single time we were around the table, we were talking um, yeah. instead of looking at our phones. And uh, there was there's something to it. There just, there really is. And, you know, I don't think we have the... I don't think we even know the half of the impact that our sort of social media and internet culture is having an effect on us. We'll probably know it in a couple of decades uh, with some more clarity. But I like the whole idea that you're talking about, the whole thing of dialing it all down in a million different ways, um, giving our brains probably what they're meant to have, which is one small thing at a time, um, just the next right thing, one tab open, five minutes of silence, like these are practices that I think could really um pull some levers in a good way in our lives i um i I want this for us, I want it for my kids for sure, yeah, right. you know, as we kind of watch them just barrel down the tracks um and they don't know another way, and so i I'm thinking about everything you're saying, Emily, and how I can parlay this also into an interesting conversation with my kids and help them navigate the tsunami um mm. in healthy ways so let me these are just three questions we're going to wrap it up um, that we're asking everybody in the um in this series for the love of good change uh, and they could just sort of be rapid fire whatever comes to mind um here's the first one what's the best small change you've made in your life just a little one big impact
1: uh keeping candles lit in house
0: Oh, weird
1: and I hmm. do have a diffuser so all you oil people it's, I do that <laughs> totally. but I do like an, an even a non-scented candle and it's weird Jen I've uh. kind of fallen in love with taper candle like the long skinny ones oh, that they use in the olden fashioned
0: and wonderful
1: it's so it's so old-fashioned, but like to burn them down, you feel like, yes, I am, I am using fire and wax and I'm (laughs) creating ambiance and it's a small change. And I love it. It's made me so happy. I
0: love that. Oh my goodness. I really do love that. I, that's one of my favorite answers we've gotten. Um, what about this? What's one just positive thing that you do every day? Just it's, it's it's putting you in the, in the positive space of the world.
1: I try to get outside a little bit. Mm, Um, And walk like I have around our block, you can go, it's, I think it's about 15 minutes to walk around the block. Mm-hmm. And it's, you'd think I could do that every day. Um, but I don't, but when oh, I, I know do better. it, yeah. I love it so much. It's makes me so happy. I have said that before that even
0: if, I- I- even if I give it a five or a 10 minute time limit and I just sit on my porch and yes. I just, there's the grass and there's the trees and I feel some wind and there's my dog with me. It, it has an impact. It really does. Yes. So there's something about the earth. Um, that our bodies crave and uh, it's good for our minds. Here's the last one. Um, I'm sure you read Barbara Brown Taylor. Um, this is yeah. one of her questions that I love. And we, we ask every single guest this question uh, and again, big, small, f- funny, serious, whatever you want. What is saving your life right now?
1: Um, British television. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listen, <laughs> Pole dark. John and I just finished. pole dark. <laughs> And it's like I look so forward. At the end of the day, we're gonna watch a pole dark. It's now become like a like a pole dark. Like we're going I need to to you to spell, spell that for me.
0: Are you saying like p o p o
1: l d a r k? And there's another one.
0: <laughs>
1: this is share. Called Lark Rise to Candleford. Sure. <laughs> you don't really need me to, sure. to spell that. It's huh. like two towns, one named Lark Rise, and the huh. other town is named Candleford. And uh-huh. it's like just this delightful show where they talk in the, you know, I'm not going to do it, uh-huh. oh, yeah. the British oh, yeah. accent. And it's like yes. nothing happens on the show, Jen. I cannot
0: express <laughs> to you. It's a show like, about nothing.
1: They like the chicken laid eggs. Yes. And the show is over. And you're like so happy because oh. you just got to spend time in Lark Rise and Candleford. And it's saving my life, saving my life. Oh my
0: gosh, you're going to think I'm making this up because it's so on the nose. But last night, I kid you not, my husband Brandon said, can anybody explain to me why when I pull up my account on Netflix, like the way that we have ours is that every kid has their own like, I don't know what channel. I don't know how this works. I'm, I'm bad about the internet. But yeah, so when I pull up my Brandon account on Netflix, that all virtually all of the suggestions for you are British. And I'm like, well, that is because (laughs) I operate under your name. Yours is the channel I pull up and that's what I watch. And so I'm sorry about your amazing opportunities that you now have in front of you. Um, But something about those British shows, it makes me happy. Yeah. It It just makes makes me glad. Yeah. It makes me happy. Um, so I am 100% dialed into your answer and I find you a woman of great discernment. Um, okay. About to sign off. Can you just tell my listeners, um, where they can find you, what you're doing, anything new on the horizon or anything at all that you would like to share about, um, who you are and where you are and how to find you and what you're working on?
1: Well, my favorite place to hang out is Instagram, Emily P. Right. Freeman. Twitter is the same, Emily P. Freeman. And then I'm at emilypfreeman.com. Um, so that's kind of where everything lives. But the podcast comes out weekly, thenextrightthingcast.com, the next right thing. It's You know, you can listen probably wherever someone listens to podcasts. Yes. And then the next right thing book releases April
0: 2nd. Oh, it's so exciting. Um, and listeners, I will have all this linked on my website at jenhatmaker.com underneath the transcript. Um, for this episode. We'll have it all. All of Emily's handles and her socials and her all of her books and the link to her podcast, everything that you could ever want. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for your calm and kind presence. Thank you for being good to yourself and thus good to the rest of us. Um, and, and leading us well in a way that I find I'm really craving right now in this, like do more, be more world all the time. This feels so healthy and nourishing. Um, and so thank you for your time. Thanks for giving my listeners in this little podcast an hour, um, of your wonderful wisdom. You are literally the best. Um, thanks for being on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Okay, guys, I hope that you love Emily P. Freeman as much as I do. I know a lot of you already know her and love her. Um, So I'm super happy to introduce her to the rest of you um, who are new. She is wonderful, just a good soul. And the kind of leadership that you heard for the last hour is sort of the way she is at all times. that's kind of how she leads and writes with that beautiful, wonderful, um, gentle way about her. So anyhow, like I just mentioned, you can find everything related to Emily over at jenhatmaker.com underneath podcast, where you'll find the entire transcript of our conversation. If you'd like to see more, um, absolutely be using that transcript um, page, you guys. Amanda builds it out with so many extra resources for you and Every single thing we mention is linked, including all of my guests' social media accounts and um, bonus pictures they send us um, to post. And it's just a great, it's a wonderful tool. And I hope that you um, use it, and you can obviously share it too. And so, um, thank you for being here. Thanks for subscribing to the podcast. We have so many great subscribers. I mean, this this podcast is such a joy for us to put on for you and. I have so much love this series so much. So I wish it was longer. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And so, um, if you haven't already subscribed, you guys just, it's so easy. This will show up in your little phone every single week. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to try. Um, And give it a little review or rating if you love it. That's good for our show and um, good for us. And as always, we're interested in your feedback, guest ideas, series ideas that you're interested in. We are paying attention um, to what you say and to what you love. We always want to make sure that we are bringing you a show that's interesting and funny and smart and creative and diverse. So anyhow, we're paying attention, you guys. Um, You're going to want to come back next week. We have even more wonderful wonderful things to bring you a fabulous guest you are not going to want to miss. So um, see you next time you guys have a great week. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it from the whole hat maker family. I hope you have a great week and see you next time.